if we've never met before, my name is Anna. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, welcome to KXC. And this morning, um, we are, I'm going to be speaking to you about faith. Now, this is a subject I've actually, I don't think I've ever spoken about before. Um, and part of the reason I think I've never spoken about it is because I'm slightly terrified of speaking about it. I don't, know when people, I don't know about you, but when people mention the word faith, people get a little bit jittery, don't they? I remember when, I think it was, I kind of almost pinpoint this was the moment the fear got put into me. Um, I was at a conservative evangelical church, a very conservative evangelical, not just a conservative, a very conservative evangelical church. And someone was preaching about healing. And they said, um, if you are charismatic or Pentecostal, which for those of you who don't know, we are charismatic, and you hold that theology, if a child gets sick, and you pray for them, parents pray for them, and you don't see them get healed. Um, that theology will blame the, the lack of faith of the parents. And I heard that I was absolutely outraged because I consider myself not just a charismatic, but a very charismatic person. And I was like, I would never say that. That would never be my approach. And I was, um, and, and probably a sensible person would think, well, you know, whenever you speak about faith, Anna, be careful of that death trap that they've put in front of you. My way of dealing is never speak about it. Therefore, they can't ever hit the death trap. Um, but it's happening today. Um, so why am I talking about it now? Now, some of you will know that um, in about a month and a half, I'm going to go off and plant a church down in Cornwall. Um, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. And I would say this has been the biggest faith journey I have ever been on. And I want to speak to you about faith when I'm right in the midst of it. Not looking back in retrospect when everything is rosy and hopefully, um, when everything's gone well, hopefully. Um, but I want to talk about it when I'm right in the midst of it. Let me explain for those of you who don't know a little bit of what this faith journey has entailed. I'm not going to bore you with a whole seven years. Um, but over, particularly over the last nine months, now, the Church of England has been doing some a bit more church planting, I'd say, in the last decade. And we've kind of got into a bit of a routine, a little bit of a rhythm of how to do church planting. So the classic way you would plant a church is um, you get permission or agreement from a bishop to go and plant a church. The next thing is then you have a lead time, probably of about two years. In that time, you, have, you, get, like, you get to build a team, you get to share vision, etc., in that time, you build your resources, you kind of build your capital, you ensure yourself that you've got a building, you ensure yourself that you've got a house. Now, that's a very sensible way of planting a church, right? Not the way KXC seemed to do it. Now, um, honestly, I don't even still have sign-off from the deanery. I get that at the end of the month, hopefully, um, as to where they go. Therefore, I wasn't able to go public two years ago. I could only go public two months ago to KXC that I was actually planting, which means the fundraising has only just started. A house is looking slightly more positive, but not necessarily, and I have no church building. Now, when I tell people about this journey, when I tell people, I feel like a complete an utter fool. I, f I feel stupid when I tell people that this is my journey. And to be honest, one of the worst questions people ask me is like, so who's the team going with you? And I kind of stand there and go, I don't know. I honestly don't know when and whether people are going to come with me. And then they say to me, like, and how do you feel about doing it as a single woman? I'm like, oh yeah, that old biscuit. But my favorite moment, oh, it was such a glorious moment. Um, I, we were at a, a kind of a, a church kind of clergy thing. And um, this really lovely, really lovely vicar comes up to me. And, um, and I was having one of those days where I was practicing, like, 
have like just just kind of um, don't worry about tomorrow. Just think about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just think about today. Do what you can do today, and just think about today. So I kind of had an ease of like I feel a bit blasé about things today. Anywho, so this guy comes up to me. He said, "So you're finishing your curacy soon?" I'm like, "Yes, I am. I'm finishing my curacy. Where are you going to go and plant a church? Oh, I'm going to go and plant in Cornwall. Oh, that's far away." It's a bit different to London, isn't it? I'm like, yes, it's a bit different to London. And he's like, and do you have a building? And I was like, nope. And do you have a, a, a house? Nope. And do you have a staff team? Nope. And it's like, and do you have any resources? No. And um, I could see at this point, like, he is terrified. He's, he, and he starts looking at my hands. And he's like, do you have a husband? <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, by the end of the conversation, I'm like, oh, gosh, I need to, like, pastor this guy through this moment. I need to tell him, like, don't worry, there's this guy called Jesus. He's actually going to be leading the church. He did a thing called, like, he died and he came back to life. So he's very good at this miracle sort of stuff. Thank you. But, but the one thing, like, on this journey, as I've been looking over the edge, the one thing I have had is, one thing I've had in my favor is I've discerned this call over seven long years, not on my own, but with other people. It's been tested, it's been challenged, and it's been confirmed, not just by myself, but by other people. Here's an example. Um, when I finally, last September, I hit a point where I'd realized I, I wasn't meant to go and take on a traditional parish church, but I was actually meant to go and plant a church, um, a new church. And I went to Pete Hughes, and I said, like, oh, Pete. I was like, I told him. I, like, built myself up. I was like, ran into his office, told him. And he was like, oh, finally. He was like, about six months or a year ago, God told me that you were going to go plant a church in September 22. It was going to be in North Cornwall. It was going to be called St. Gregory's. And, and I was like, okay, well, you could have told me that. Um, <laughs> but at this point, I, hadn't, I haven't, don't think I've told you it's going to be called St. Gregory's. But at this point, the only person I told it was going to be called St. Gregory's, the only time it uttered, come out of my mouth, was the day before when I was talking to Pete James. So that, again, was a moment. I was like, hey, God, you have called me to this. This isn't of my own thing. And in the midst of this journey, as I've been going on this journey, I've realized I have totally misunderstood what faith is. And I've had to, in the midst of this journey, I've had to reassess what it means to have faith. And I think there's three, pit, three main pitfalls that we fall into when we think about faith. You either think you have the gift of faith or you don't have it. That's kind of one of the pitfalls we, we think we have. And actually, I think I want to tell you that's absolute rubbish. It is not binary. There are not women and men of faith and then just ordinary people. There are not some people who are called to do like crazy things for God and then there's just ordinary people like you and me. The gifts, of, the gifts that were given to the church, are give, so people are gifted with faith, but they're given to the church to stir up faith in the rest of the church, that, that actually everybody would act with faith. They're given, the people who carry the gift of faith are there to feed the church with faith, not that just one person would act with faith, but that we would all carry that faith. And faith is seen as like those people who are the heroes, and like kind of those people that are almost like unattainable, but rather than it is actually available to every single one of us. And if it wasn't that way, like that would be completely counter the rest of the New Testament, which is like everybody gets to play. And it wouldn't make sense if just some people needed faith. Because actually, to you, we all need faith. If you're not going to move anywhere, if you're not going to change your job, if nothing changes in the next year, you need faith. You need faith to be a faithful disciple in London. Like if, if we are meant to be a peculiar people who actually live differently, who actually follow Jesus and live the Jesus way of life in London, you're going to need faith. 
You're going to need faith if you think, actually, I'm going to have a different attitude to power. I'm going to have a different attitude to the way I spend my money. I'm going to have a different view of success. I'm going to have a different idea of relationship with sex. All of these things. Jesus said, you know, expect persecution, expect suffering, accept trials. And like, if we're going to live like that in London, you're going to need faith. So it doesn't make sense that just some people have faith and other people don't. We all need faith. It's not a binary thing. So don't count yourself out. It's not just for some people. You need faith. The other thing I think trap we fall into is like, I haven't seen many results and therefore like I must just not, must not be someone who is a person of faith. And I think our metric is very different to God's metric. There's a, um, a verse in Hebrews 11 where, um, where Paul kind of, we, actually we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, do we? No, we don't. Um, whoever the author of Hebrews is, some people think it's Paul. Um, he says this, or she. That is debated, actually. Um, anyway, um, verse 11, um, chapter 11, verse 33 to 38. It's talking, this is at the end of like listing off all the kind of the heroes of faith. It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, who rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were those who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They were put in, sheeps and, in sheepskin and goatskin. Destitute, persecuted, mistreated, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains, living in caves and in holes and in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that, all, that only together with us they would be made perfect. The quality of their faith, I mean, there are some successful things there, but there's also some seemingly unsuccessful stories there. God's metric of success is very different to ours. So don't fall into the, the pitfall of like, well, I don't see things happen in my life, therefore I must not be someone of faith. The third thing, oh, we're running out of battery, John. Faith is the absence of faith is the absence of doubt, fear, and questions. This is absolute rubbish. Because some of us believe like, you know, if I have doubts and questions and fears, therefore I must not be a person of faith. Again, we count ourselves out. Well, if you read the list um, in Hebrews 11, you'll see Abraham and Sarah are mentioned. That they had faith that when God said you're going to have a son, even though you are really, really old, um, you, you will have a son. They were commended for their faith. Yet if you go and read the account, it, actually when God tells them they're going to have a child, Sarah laughs. That's someone who's got doubt and questions. And there she is commended for her faith. And the reason I'm speaking about faith today to you, to KXC, because I believe that is what God is wanting to gift us with or grow us in as we head into the next season. That faith needs to be held and it needs to be exercised, not by the superheroes, but actually by everyone. If we are going to take hold of all that God has for this church in this, this city, then we're going to need faith. There's a maturing of faith in practice where our words and our actions do the talking. Where our actions as well as our words do the talking. Where actually we live lives where we are wholeheartedly living for God and we're acting in faith, doing ridiculous things, living a Jesus way in this city, actually doing what he's called to us to do, to be a peculiar people in London. That requires faith. 
So if those are the pitfalls of faith, then what actually is faith? Now, I'm going to turn to um, Charles Spurgeon, who's not someone I often turn to. Um, he's a 19th century preacher, and he says there's three aspects to faith. It's to know, it's to assent, kind of to agree, and to take hold. And I just want to simply go through those three things. Um, now, to know is not actually to have, like, a, you need to have a theology degree to know everything about God. But actually, you do need to know what you believe. Um, he actually says, um, a man cannot believe what he does not know. This is clear and self-evident. That is pretty good logic, isn't it? He cannot believe what he do not, does not know. And yet, there are some persons who, when asked what he believes, said, I believe what the church believes. What does the church believe? I love this. The church believes what I believe. And pray, what do you and the church believe? Why well, we both believe the same thing. Now, this man believed nothing except that the church was right, but in what he could not tell. It is idle for a man to say, I am a believer, and yet not know what he believes. Now, I'm not entirely convinced that this is necessarily applicable to us, because I think what, in our culture, um, we're pretty critical about what we believe and what we don't believe. We actually kind of try to be very independent thinkers and won't necessarily hear what is said from the front and say, yeah, yeah, I believe whatever is said. We're actually quite critical thinkers, and actually, our issue is probably more on the ascent of actually like agreeing what, with what is being said in the scriptures. Because what we kind of want is actually want to believe our own version of Christianity. We kind of want a bit of a pick and choose. And the problem is there are some things that are actually pretty fundamental when it comes to following Jesus. Like one of the most fundamental things is the creeds. And we did a series on this five years ago or so. And I encourage you, if, if, if you're really new in your faith or you're exploring faith, I encourage you, why don't you go back and listen to that series? Because it really does break down, this is what we believe. We actually believe in the death, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That he actually came as a human, that he, God came in human form. He walked and lived amongst us, that he showed us what God is like. He died, he actually died and was laid in a tomb, and then he rose again. That's what we believe. And to ascend to that is to say, actually, I actually chew on that and I believe that I can say that with a conviction that I really do believe that that is pretty fundamental and we can't have a pick and choose around this because basically this this is what Christians believe and if you don't believe this you might want to call yourself a Christian but you're actually not a Christian because this is actually what Christians believe and we've agreed around this for 2,000 years there's not much we agree on but this is the one thing that we actually do agree on and I'd say as a church, another fundamental thing beyond the creeds is actually what the Bible says. That as a church, we actually want to hold on that we believe in the, th the authority of Scripture. That when we read the Bible, this is where we believe the revelation of who God is and what he, who he calls us to be. That's where it is found. Now, we can argue about and debate, and we love debating the interpretation. I'm happy to do that. But we do actually believe that Scripture is our authority. That that is where we find out who God is and what he's like. Another pretty fundamental thing for us as a church is that the Spirit of God is here. That he's not someone who is far off and distant, but actually he's active, he's present. That the Holy Spirit, the holiness of God, God in all his power and all his might is in our midst. That, he, that we actually believe he's going to do stuff. That we actually believe he's present here to heal. He's present here to encourage. He's present here to convict. He's present here to empower. That is what we actually believe, that he's a present reality those are pretty fundamental things. And the question is, like, do we believe them? Have we wrestled through them? Do we actually believe them? And you can tell whether you actually believe them 
is because um, of the final thing of like when it comes to faith of like, do you actually believe this and you're actually going to act and you're going to take hold of it? You're going to take hold of it in your own life and it means you're going to act differently because you actually you believe it. Not just up here, but in your very being that you believe it and therefore it's going to form and change the way you live your life. Now I'm going to give a little, um, like a little illustration and I need you to come with me on this one because um, the rest of the talk is basically around this and if you misunderstand this bit, we're in trouble. So um, I don't know if you've, any of you have watched the Wim Hof series. Yeah, a few nods. Love Wim Hof. Um, for those who haven't watched it um, and don't intend on watching it, um, it's essentially he takes a load of celebrities off and he's trying to get them to control their fear. And it's all leading up to this kind of big climactic moment where they're going to go onto a bridge and then they're going to jump off the bridge. And what I noticed in that final episode when, when some of them are doing it they, a lot of them say, like, oh, my goodness, when you get up to the bridge, the instructor's there, they explain everything to you. You can ask questions, and they come down, and they're, like, really reassuring everyone, don't worry, you can ask as many questions, and you totally understand, and therefore, then you can jump. And when I think about that, I think that's kind of how faith works, of, like, you're actually coming along to Jesus, and you're like, God, what, take, tell me, like, teach me something. Tell me something about how this whole thing's work. If you want me to go and jump off that bridge, do something that actually seems totally ridiculous and counterintuitive, then explain to me how these ropes are going to keep me safe. Okay, now you've explained it to me. I'm going to do the ascent thing. I'm going to actually ask questions. I'm going to like push and I'm going to wrestle with you and I'm going to ask questions until I'm assured that actually not just you believe it, but I believe it too. And then that leads on to the final act of saying, okay, I believe this so much that actually I'm going to jump. I'm going to do something that's totally counterintuitive and I'm going to jump off this because I believe it's actually going to work. Um, and you can see this in the life of Moses. I was going to go through Moses, but I think because of time, I'm going to kind of sack it off. So I'll do a bit of a... Um, a little summary of Moses, really short and sweet. Um, essentially, Moses, if you don't know him, he was a character in the Old Testament. Um, his story starts in the book of Exodus. And Moses was born in Pharaoh's palace. And he, but he was actually an Israelite. And when he's living in Egypt, he sees the Israelites being treated as slaves by, the, by Pharaoh. And when he sees this injustice, he's like, I've got to do something about it. But what he does is he goes and kills the um, the the guard, which doesn't actually win him any respect with the Israelites. And it also puts him like in, in a really dangerous situation. So he ends up fleeing Egypt and he runs away and he's in this desert where he encounters God. And he encounters God in this amazing burning bush moment. And this is the moment that basically um, Moses is invited into the knowing bit of God. And it kind of makes sense. When, when Moses saw an injustice before, he didn't know God. So the only thing that he knew what to do was like, I need to take matters into my own hands. At this point, when he's in Egypt, he doesn't know that there's a God who cares more about the Israelites than him. So he took matters into his own hand. But when he comes before God, he, he realizes, he begins to know that there's a God who cares about this more than he does. And he starts to learn some of the character and the nature of God. And as you watch this um, interaction as it goes over Exodus 3 and 4, it's this real back and forth. And you see Moses like asking questions. And this is him entering into like the ascent, the agreement thing. He's like, I'm actually going to wrestle with you, God. And you see he has questions and he has doubts and he wrestles with God. This is all about him stepping closer in faith. This is about him learning. Actually, like, I'm going to not just hear what you say, but I'm going to take it on and live it on the inside. Actually, 
I'm going to believe that you actually care about these people and that you have the power to set them free. And his way of doing that is by asking questions. And it does get a little bit intense in um, Exodus 4, where it actually says the Lord's anger burns against Moses um, for asking so many questions. But do you know what? Do you know what? I actually really respect Moses for actually asking those questions. I really respect him. He's trying to squirm out. He's trying to lower the bar at times. But actually, the the thing that matters is in Exodus 18, where it's actually Moses actually does go and do it. Moses could have walked away from that encounter. He could have gone through that wrestling and actually said, you know what, I just don't trust you. I just don't actually believe you've got what it takes to set these people free, and therefore I'm going to walk away. What matters about Moses' faith is that he actually goes and does it. And Moses, I've got to find my place now, ignored all that bit. And to be honest, um, I don't think faith is about just where you are now. Faith is actually about the direction that you're heading into, the direction of travel. Because Moses, even his wrestling is creeping closer and closer to God. Even in his question, he's stepping closer and nearer to actually going over the edge and jumping off the bridge and doing something ridiculous. And it's about a simple daily obedience to say, yes, 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 I believe you. If we want to be a peculiar people in London, if we want to live a different way of life, if we actually want to follow Jesus and say that we all believe these things and then actually go and live it out on Monday to Friday or on Saturday, then like, it actually requires us to, to keep moving in the direction of faith, keep moving in the direction towards Jesus. What is your direction of travel when it comes to stepping into this stuff? What's your direction of travel towards God? I think there are some people in here who honestly, actually just in the really beginning phases of faith, we're actually just trying to understand the ropes. That right now, your journey towards faith, journey towards growing in faith is simply trying to understand what it means. Like, what does it mean to follow Jesus with my, in my workplace? What does it mean to follow Jesus with, with my sex life? What does it mean to work, to follow Jesus with my money? What does all of that mean? And you're just asking the questions, and that doesn't mean you have a lack of faith. It's all about the direction of travel. Are you having a conversation with Jesus? Because faith isn't just this abstract thing. It's faith in something. And our faith is faith in Jesus. Are you having a conversation with Jesus and what he has to say on the subject? Are you in communication with him? That's a legitimate part of the journey is understanding the ropes. Don't count yourself out as someone who's not, um, who doesn't have faith because you still feel you're just working out the ropes. You have faith. You are on the right track. You're on the right journey. And some of you, you're actually in the the wrestle and you're ashamed of the questions that you have. You are wrestling with God. You're terrified of jumping off the the edge and terrified of what this means for you, the sacrifice it means for you, the things you're going to have to give up, your pride you're going to have to give up, people thinking you're weird and ridiculous and absolutely insane. You're not even sure it's possible. But do you know what? If you're still in the wrestle, you're still in the wrestle. If you're still in the wrestle, you're still on the bridge, you're still talking to Jesus, you're still journeying towards faith, you're still like Moses who's in the faith journey. Do not count yourself out as someone who's growing and stepping into faith because you have questions. My th- the thing is, just stay in the conversation with Jesus, just keep talking to Jesus. 
Keep growing in trust and faith in Jesus. Don't count yourself out as someone who doesn't have faith just because you have questions and doubts and fears. Because this is a huge thing that we do following him, it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require giving up stuff. And you don't make those decisions willy-nilly, do you? Willy-nilly, I love willy-nilly. And there are others of you who are you're, you're, you're standing with your toes over the edge, just about to jump. You've like, you agree with this whole thing, but you're like, okay, now I've actually got to go and do it. And the only advice I can say to you is just keep doing what you've already been doing. Keep staying in conversation with Jesus. Keep talking to Jesus. Keep feeding yourself with truth that Jesus is actually going to come through for you. That actually he is good, that he is faithful, that he is kind, that he's full of power, that he is your savior, that he's all sufficient. Just keep feeding yourself with faith in that moment before you jump off. Because even if you're just standing on the edge and you're still teetering on the edge, if you're still talking to him, you're still on the bridge. Faith is all about the direction of travel. And Jesus tells a parable in, um, in Matthew 21. It's a really simple parable. And he's talking to the chief priests and elders like in the temple, so the people of power. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and do your work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He said, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. He's basically saying, the sinners, the ones that you're judging, the ones that seem to don't have that much faith, they are actually heading in the right direction of faith. It's you that are going in the wrong direction. And the truth is, there's some of us in here, you've actually walked off the bridge. You've not walked away from your faith entirely, but actually Jesus invited you into a moment of obedience. Jesus invited you to step in. And what you decided to do is cut off the conversation. You said, you know what, that's your way, but I'm going to try and find my own route. I'm actually going to step off this bridge and I'm going to go in my own direction. And if that is you, the invitation, and it's a simple invitation, is simply to repentance, to come back onto the bridge and have the conversation with him. You can close the gap that, you've, that has been opening up with God by simply coming back and having a conversation with him. He's not going to suddenly push you off the edge of the bridge. He just simply wants to come back and start the conversation again. He wants to tell you again why he thinks this is actually the best route for your life. He actually wants to tell you why this is going to be, bring you fullness of life. Come back to him. Start the conversation again. And some of you actually know really well how the ropes work. You're well-versed in how the whole safety thing works and, and how it's going to um, play out, etc. And outwardly, you totally agree with it, and yet inwardly, you doubt. And outwardly, you're standing on the bridge and talking to everybody. I told you this bridge metaphor was going to go on. You're talking to everybody else. You're talking a really good game about faith, but you're just not jumping. You're a great talker, but you aren't actually engaging with the instructor anymore. And you outwardly confess, but inwardly you know you have zero intention of jumping. You have zero intention of actually doing what you talk about. And the truth is, right now you just feel like a fraud. And while you continue to deny the gap between your words and your actions, you're always going to feel like that. And the invitation for you is to verbalize your wrestle, to verbalize it with God. 
Faith isn't this abstract thing. It's about stepping in and growing in faith in trust with Jesus, growing in relationship with Jesus. And there's a direction to it. And the question is, which direction are you heading? Are you still in conversation with him? Are you talking to him? And where the, the metaphor falls down is, um, is actually, it's not just a one-time jump, it's a daily jump, and sometimes you have to jump more than once. You have to keep jumping again and again and again. You have to keep trusting again and again and again. It's a daily jump. And the other way it falls down is that actually sometimes faith is just not that high adrenaline moment. It's actually just a really mundane thing of simply saying, this morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible. This morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to have a conversation with Jesus. This morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to choose to do that on a daily basis. It doesn't seem that high adrenaline fueled kind of jumping off a bridge moment. But like this is how you grow in faith. By having a daily conversation with Jesus. By daily asking him to shape your life. By daily saying to him, come and walk with me. Tell me because I'm wrestling with you. I've got so many questions. I've got so many doubts. This is going to make me look like an absolute fool to my friends, to my colleagues, to my family if I make these choices. And yet Jesus wants to stand with you in those moments. I don't want to sell faith to you like it's some sort of like holiday advert of like kind of a high adrenaline moment and tell you all the exhilaration that you're going to get out of it. And honestly, like, it, like right now where I feel, it does actually feel a bit like that. It does have the adventure. It's the whole like life adventure and it is exhilarating. But however, nothing compares to the closeness that faith requires of you to walk with Jesus. Like all of these things, all these decisions, what it's doing and the most, the richest thing it's doing in me is it's pushing me closer to Jesus. It's demanding that I have to lean closer to Jesus. I have to listen to him. I have to rely on him. That is what faith is about. It's listening into the person of Jesus and saying, I want to walk closely with you. I want to do what you're calling me to do. That's what faith is about. Yes, it makes you do stupid things at times. Sometimes it makes you do very mundane and ordinary things. Sometimes it makes you do things that are just a sacrifice and it's costly. But all it is about is about walking closely with Jesus, listening to Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you're called to Cornwall or to Crouch End or to Canvey Island, wherever it might be, to the Congo, to, I don't know, where it only begins with C's. Um, <laughs> it's about learning to trust who's leading you, that he's good, and determining that actually, yes, you don't just say that he's good, but you actually believe it right inside of you, and you believe so much that you're going to go and do something ridiculous to say that actually he's my master and I want to obey his voice he's my rabbi and I am his disciple and I want to do what he's doing I want to be where he is and I want to be speaking like he speaks and doing what he does that's what it looks like to be growing in faith to be walking closer and closer to Jesus and that is something that's available for each and every single one of us so the life of Jesus might flow out of us it's not just for the superheroes. It's for every single one of us. And KXC, I just want to say to you, if you're going to step into everything that God has for you in this next season, you're going to need faith. You're going to need faith because he's calling you to be different in this city. He is calling you to not just have a few couple of people who act with faith and outrageously, but actually every single one of you. Being a people who say, actually, I want to walk the Jesus way in this city. 
I want to follow Jesus in this city. It requires faith. You're going to need faith. You're going to need to grow in faith. We're going to need to mature in faith. We're going to need to start putting actions to the words that we say and living a life of faith. That's what he's calling you to. It's what you need for the next season. It's what I see him doing in people already. I see him stirring up. And the question is, do you want to be in it or not? Or do you want to sit on the edges? Do you want to be in the midst of what God is doing? Or do you want to be standing and watching? Do you want to watch other people jump off the bridge? Or do you want to be doing it yourself? That's the invitation. So why don't we stand and let's pray.